Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome into College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you. We are a week removed from the end of the spring season for the men at Greyhawk. It took us a few days to sort of settle in. We had to keep working. We had golf's longest day this past Monday. So this is a Wednesday night. It is basically one week ago when the Pepperdine men won national championship number two. So let's jump right into it. We did it uh, with the women. We'll do it with the men of, of our thoughts. And I think it's, it's cool now at this point, Brentley, we've had the, a chance to digest it all and, and sort of break it all down. And why don't we start with the, the individual race on that Monday where Turk Pettit from Clemson sent Larry Penley, the head coach, after 38 years stepping aside. He, he sent him out on a, on a really high note. And let me tell you, Turk Pettit, for the most part, that final day was, was no one was flawless, but he played pretty darn well considering the circumstances. Yeah, I really thought it being Larry Penley's final year, obviously goal number one would have been to win that NCAA team title. Uh, which would have been his second. They won back in 2003 at Karsten Creek. But a close second to that was having one of his players win an individual title. And I think it was significant, Burko, in that Turk Pettit was the guy because he was one of those three seniors that really kept Larry Penley in Clemson a few extra years. He was had originally planned on retiring a couple years ago, but told those three seniors, Kyle Cottom, Colby Patton, and Pettit, that he wanted to see their careers out. And you could really see um, when everything was said and done with, with Turk holding that individual title, having Larry's wife there, Heidi as well. There was a lot of emotions, and it was just a really cool moment to see one of the best coaching careers in all of college golf history uh, capped with a trophy. Yeah, one of the all-time favorites in my book uh, is Larry Penley and uh, – let him go out on that note. I think that's pretty cool, but you know, for Turk to win, others had to open the door and, and it was, you know, the, the freshman from Oklahoma state, Bo Jin, that for a while you thought, man, oh man, like, can he do it? But there were just enough moments. I don't want to say that we're too big for him, but um you know, sort of reminded us all that, uh, you know, freshmen to win national championships don't happen often. You got to go back to 
07 with Jamie Lovemark at USC. So it was, it was 14 years ago since we were looking for something like that to happen. Yeah, Bo, Bo's going to have his chance. Uh, I mean, being a freshman certainly didn't help uh, coming down the stretch. But I think uh, another thing is, you know, he, he has a very long swing. He just, he's, he's a big kid, and it just seems like his ball striking at times can kind of go sideways on him. And I think that's what we saw is him get a little uncomfortable. And, of course, when you're uncomfortable, any kind of flaw or anything in your swing or your putting stroke. And I thought it was interesting earlier in the week when Oklahoma State coaches and, and, and Bo's teammates were saying how when he arrived in Stillwater last fall, he had the worst putting stroke they've ever seen out of a good player. And he's definitely improved it, but I think he still has a lot of work to go on that. He still has some work to go tightening up that swing, but certainly a big talent. And Pettit's a guy who kind of shows that you can overcome whatever deficiencies you have in your game. I, I, I don't know if, if it's been too long, but you have to go back to 2018 Pettit's freshman year, basically lost his game after that NCAA championship shot 83 or eight or somewhere in the eighties was on his way to shooting in the nineties and withdrew uh, in the third round. So he's kind of come back from the dark and uh, uh, Pettit that is, and, you know, obviously capped his college career, you know, doing something special. He also uh, had his club stolen. He did. To that one, Carson, <laughs> didn't he? It, 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 it almost seems like we get uh, one club stolen story a year, maybe not in college, but throughout the golf landscape. But yeah, he was, he was the guy who, who got his club stolen, but clearly it, it wasn't the clubs because this was something that plagued him for a good part of two years. Um, and it was pretty clear that he doesn't really like talking about it. He's he's ready to move on. He doesn't like to dwell on the fact that he wasn't very good for the mid portion of his college career, but certainly enters the pro ranks on a high note. Well, the prior time that a Clemson Tiger won the individual championship at the NCAAs was back in 1997, Conway Farms, Chicago area, where Charles Warren took care of business. Well, you know who won the team championship back in 1997, that same year, the Pepperdine Waves. 24 years later, the school that I was bullish on for the last 10 months and believed that they were going to win a national title did just that. And um, the journey from last year's cancellation to getting it done this year um, it was a collection of kids and I call them kids cause I'm old enough and they're a lot younger that I really believed to were on a mission. I remember Michael Beard, the head coach telling me at the Eastlake cup last fall, that this group had a chip on their shoulders and that they were, I don't want to say sick of hearing that their time had come and gone. Everyone thought 2020 was their year. Uh, but for the most part at Greyhawk, they played like that. They played with this belief that they knew they could do it and that they believed everyone else thought they couldn't. And a lot of credit to all of them, including the man leading the way. Yeah. Talking with some of their players afterwards too, that, that, that was definitely the feeling in the team room. Uh, Clay Fagler said that everyone said our year was last year. You know, people don't think he can do it. And he said Beer told him that in one of their first team meetings is, hey, like people think Sahith Agala was was the guy that kind of led this team and you guys aren't capable of, of winning a national championship. 
uh, I think William Mao, I'm, I'm scrolling through my story right now. He, he said he definitely heard that chatter. And, uh, you know, that he, he also said probably the Pepperdine waves were the only people who thought they were actually a little bit better than they were last year. And they certainly saved that for this week, but just, a just a complete performance. Um, I thought it was interesting how after one round, they, they sub out RJ Mankey who, who won a qualifier, um, with Joe Highsmith and Highsmith responds by not playing particularly well in stroke play, but, um, coming alive that final round where the wave shot, I believe it was nine under Burko, eight or nine under, which was the round of the tournament. And then Highsmith goes three and zero in match play. I think Fegler also went three and zero. William Mao came alive in that last uh, match against Quade Cummins, who was Oklahoma's best player. So clearly William Mao was right when he said that they were a little bit better than they were last year. I mean, nothing to take away from Tagala and that team, but with the way they played, I, 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 I have a hard time not believing, you know, when they say that they did believe they were a little bit better, but you do have to give credit to, to Tagala because without him, Pepperdine probably doesn't get to this point. You know, just the way he changed that program, made it cool for a top recruit like Mal, like a Highsmith to want to go to Pepperdine. Um, so certainly he has a little bit of a hand in this as well. And you see it so often in sports, uh, predominantly college athletics, when that star player leaves. And yes, a year later, you can argue they're even better. And I've always gone, uh, gone under the premise that when Sahef Agala was there, eh, maybe I'm not going to grind it out. We know he's good for four or five under. Eh, he'll, he'll bail us out down the stretch. I, I always use the analogy, and it might be a stretch, but Peyton Manning's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He never won a national championship at Tennessee. Never beat Florida either, right? Well, I like that thought too. Uh, he goes on to the NFL, and the next year with T. Martin leading the way, they won a national championship. Again, a bit of a stretch, but from the standpoint, you always knew Peyton would find a way to win for you or do that. So I'm a big believer that, um, you know, the subtraction of that superstar can somewhat be a, an addition for the remaining supporting cast. And um, to see that, to see the emotions um, and to take down Oklahoma in, in, in a match that you thought, gosh, can the Sooners find a way to get three points? And we sort of all had carved out a way, but they really needed to win three certain matches in a lot of our estimations if they were going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they, they needed to get Quade Cummins on the board with the point. Uh, Logan McAllister, Ben, uh, Ben Lorenz, um, because well, Gary, Brightwell, well, well, right, you know, I thought it was, I, I Brightwell, thought it was Brightwell. Right. I mean, Ben Lorenz played great. He's a freshman. You don't expect the freshman necessarily to get it done. Uh, cause quite honestly, Garrett reband had struggled mightily and there probably weren't a lot of us that thought he could go out and take care of business. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you definitely needed either Ben Lorenz or Logan McAllister to get that third point because you weren't going to get it from, from Garrett Reban. I mean, he had a great year, but when your driver goes sideways and you're playing in the desert, that's usually not a, a recipe for success. And I'm, I'm honestly interested to see what he does in his first pro start uh, on the corn Ferry tour this week. Hopefully he can figure it out because 
he has had a great college career and certainly deserving of a PGA Tour U spot and the opportunity to to play on the Corn Ferry Tour right away. But so that'll be interesting. That'll be something to watch. But but yeah, it, it almost reminded me, and I know this is totally unfair um, in a way, but it kind of reminded me of Texas because they they didn't have a fifth guy. Bo Hoster was hurt in 2016 against Oregon, and you just really felt like they had to win three or four matches, basically. And with the way Reban was playing, with the way Patrick Welch, who subbed in for a brief moment, was playing, um, I, I, I think it's a little bit fair to say that Oklahoma – probably thought they were going in there with with four guys because Joe Highsmith was playing Garrett Reban. It's not like it was a freshman. It was a, a kid who's who's an All-American type player. I don't know if he's been awarded All-America status yet, but certainly has that game. So um yeah, I mean I'm I'm rambling a little bit, Burko, but but yeah, the 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 cards were certainly stacked against them. And I think Pepperdine did exactly what we had uh, expected them to do. Yeah, all credit to the Waves. Congratulations to them. Quickly, uh, a couple of teams that pique your interest for the upcoming season that maybe caught your eye at Greyhawk and throughout the spring. Yeah, so there's there's a few obvious. I think we have to. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Berker, you're going to go with Pepperdine again as your favorite for next year, right? I mean, they only lose. Well, I, I got to wait. You know, I mean, to go out on a limb like that, I, I I've got to <laughs> do some yeah, research. There, there's certainly, uh, you know, certainly the deserved nut preseason number one. Uh, Oklahoma is going to have to replace Quade Cummins and Jonathan Brightwell and Garrett Reban. So th- there are some talented players who probably should get a shot. I think Ben Lorenz will probably break out next year, but I, I, I just don't see Oklahoma really among the the top of the list in terms of contenders. So you probably have Pepperdine. Texas was a team that wildly disappointed at Greyhawk. They didn't even make the 54 hole cut, but they bring back everyone, including Cole Hammer and Pearson Cootie. Watch out for Mason Nome as well. He, he was one of their more consist- consistent players down the stretch. And as a junior next year should do big things, but here's my, my pick, my really early beginning of summer pick for next year. And I'm going to write it down so that it's on record. I know it'll be on record on this podcast as well. But I have a feeling that North Carolina, who made match play, they only lose Austin hit and they bring in one of the better number one ranked recruits that we've seen in a while in David Ford. Uh, So you add him to Peter Fountain and Austin Greaser and Ryan Gerard and Ryan Burnett. Um, This is a team that will probably enter the season still a little bit overlooked because they are North Carolina, but when it's all said and done, don't be surprised uh, if at Greyhawk next year we're talking about North Carolina. I like it. I like it. What is it, June uh, 9th here, June 9th. late on a Wednesday night? I'm going uh, to sort of hold you to it. I, I got to see how it plays off. I have to let these things come to me before I go out and, and, and grab those. So We have to throw uh, out Oklahoma State as well. I, I think that's another team, only losing Austin Road, And I think – I think Eugenio Shikara could be an early Haskins Award candidate as well. So, well, I like it. I like it. Uh, and the offseason is officially here. It goes quickly. Um, but I know on the women's side in the SEC, you've got a couple of coaching updates that uh, have already occurred with uh, so many openings, really, that have popped up in the last few weeks. Yeah, two 
two big jobs and two jobs where I think there's a lot to prove. Texas A&M uh, hires former Houston coach Garrett Chadwell, who's the husband of, of Stacey Lewis, who won three American Conference championships with the Cougars, had a first-team All-American um, this year, and Karen Freeguard, uh, I believe, made six straight regionals as well. So Chadwell making the short drive up to College Station. Um, for some reason, that that just hasn't been a, a program that has done much in a deep SEC. I mean, Burko, I think when Andrea Gaston went from USC to Texas A&M a few years back, we thought that was maybe going to open the floodgates for the Aggies, and it just never materialized. So it'll be interesting to see what what Chadwell can do there. And then the second big hire is uh, Diana Cantu, who's just fresh off leading Maryland to its first NCAA championship berth in school history. Now she takes the reins of our colleague Brant Packard's favorite team in alma mater, Tennessee. Um, (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, another program that, uh, which Cantu played for way back in the day, I believe she graduated in in 2010, but, uh, you know, another program that recent more recently has been toward that bottom half of the SEC. So, two programs that maybe in a couple of years we'll be talking about them contending for titles, much like, uh, much like Ole Miss did this year. And with some coaching changes also that ever active transfer portal uh, <laughs> from a year ago and a, someone that was part of that national championship team, uh, at least in that starting six or seven um, has had enough with the waves, but it's, it's because more hey going back to his home state for that fifth and final year yeah rj mankey who was actually high school teammates with joe highsmith at uh i'm, I'm gonna butcher this name but belarming prep is that eh, it's a prep school I, I like that you said it with confidence belarming yeah so yeah he's he's uh doing his his extra years covid year grad year at the university of washington i think um, you know, judging by how long he was in the transfer portal, I think this was something that wasn't a spur of the moment decision. I think he had thought long and hard about it and um, ended up making up his mind that this was going to be his last semester, but certainly, you know, didn't play like a guy who was going out the door. I think he, they, he won their qualifier for NCAAs by like 11 shots or at least beat, beat Heismitz by uh, 11 shots. So you know, unfortunate for him to get subbed out after one round, but, you know, kudos for him for kind of sticking, um, you know, with that team, he was out there watching, you know, all, all the rounds of match play was there celebrating. So, um, um, but it, it'll be nice to see what, what he can do kind of at Washington. Cause he'll be the guy he'll, he'll go from being one of eight guys to probably being the, the number one or two for Washington. So that'll be interesting. And then, the one domino that hasn't fallen is Christopher Goddard up from Rutgers, um, who could be the next Jonathan Brightwell. I don't think he's quite as good as Brightwell. Brightwell's iron play um, was made him one of the best ball strikers in the country this past season. I don't know if Goddard up quite has that type of game, but I know that he's considering a few schools, um, including Pepperdine, including Oklahoma, including SMU. So um, I think, probably a, the best fit, maybe Oklahoma considering what they lose and what he could bring to the table for them. Um, so we'll have to, I, I have a feeling that's going to be announced pretty soon. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. The pride of the garden state. Anytime we can throw the <laughs> I knew it. Scarlet Knights 
into the mix. Got her up, can play. You've heard some of the same schools I've heard. Um, hey, I'm a Jersey guy. My dad played football at Rutgers many moons ago. Love the Scarlet Knights. So that's uh, tremendous. And it could be in a, a tremendous pickup for whatever school can land his services. We talked about uh, Garrett Reban. He's starting his pro career corn ferry tour this week. I'm here. We'll be on the call starting Thursday morning. Kevin Yu and Austin Eck wrote the three from those five that are here. The other two, John Pock, Davis Thompson, in the same state, playing the PGA Tour uh, at Congaree. So they've got the Palmetto State covered from top to bottom, but they're already tweaking what we're going to see moving uh, forward with the, the rankings and points. What, what's the latest on that? Yeah, th th this was kind of what we thought was going to happen, um, you know, this summer after year one, after this sort of trial year. Um, th there, there was some concern um, when this first came out that that guys were going to take advantage of playing in these PGA Tour events, um, especially with the name, image, and likeness stuff and players being able to sign agents moving forward. I think PGA Tour U did the right thing and kind of limiting the amount of points a guy will get if he misses the cut at a PGA Tour event. We, we, we know the, the points list for this is based off of the World Amateur Golf Ranking, and you get a lot of points for simply breathing at a PGA Tour event. You get almost the same amount of points as you do for maybe finishing top 20 in a regular season college event. Um, but now with the new rules, if you miss the cut, you'll get whatever world ranking points you're supposed to get for that up to eight points, which um, a lot of times it goes above that. So they'll limit it to eight points. That should help curb some of the advantage that guys will get by being able to know the right people and rack up some of these PGA Tour exemptions throughout their last two years of college. So I think that's a good move. Um, players playing in major championships still are going to get the full amount of points, even if they miss the cut. And then they also, an uh, interesting thing is they – also said uh, players may receive full points at other select professional tournaments. So I don't know if that means European tour starts as well. So that'll be something we'll definitely keep an eye on moving forward. And we should get the first ranking for the class of 2022 next month. So maybe we'll have to do an emergency podcast and kind of go through that real quick. Well, I like that they're tweaking it. My two cents, you have to make the NCAA championships count more. More, yeah. Because there was a point a stroke play wrapped up Quade Cummins from Oklahoma is in second or third place. Garrett rebands in 140th place and Quade could not jump one spot, even if he won the championship to overtake reband. Yeah. I know it's a big picture two year window. You have to make the biggest and most important event bigger and more important than everything else in my estimation there needs to be movement that last week or i think you missed the boat yeah i i think even if you lock in the top four out of the five for kft or maybe you lock in all five kft guys and then you almost sort of reset points from six to to 25 for those mckenzie tour or form tour starts but um you know i i i I do kind of like that summation of, of a guy's college career. It certainly doesn't make for that last minute excitement, but again, it, it's only year one. I mean, who knows next year things could be a lot closer, especially 
considering we kind of used an extra semester of tournaments and, and we were coming off that COVID altered schedule. So I, I, I think let's wait till next NCAAs. Let's see if there's some movement at Greyhawk and then uh, we can kind of reassess. Uh, we jumped into golf's longest day this past Monday. You were up at uh, headquarters in Connecticut. I was in Atlanta for just a mere 15 hours of TV off and on, but it was exciting as always. Piece um, of cake. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. Not a ton of collegiate players made it, a handful. Um, any jumping out from you that, hey, let's continue a trend or – keep an eye on this guy uh, next week at Tory. Well, I, I think we have to go with the, the qualifier that ended Tuesday morning and with Texas's Pearson Cootie um, earning one of the final spots uh, into Tory Pines via playoff, Cole Hammer um, missing out in the playoff, but we found out today on, on Wednesday that he gets in because of a uh, withdrawal. I'm not even going to pronounce the guy's name who with, withdrew because it's Miko something, but I, I would butcher it. So both of those Texas guys getting in, I was a little surprised because just over a week and a half ago, Pearson Cootie could barely pick up a golf ball. You know, he, for the second time in a month, a random virus, non-COVID, non-mono, uh, second virus hit him. And he was, had a fever, didn't break until last Wednesday. Um, I just didn't know how much he was going to have left in the tank because both he and Hammer have played a ton of golf from Big 12s to Walker Cup to the Byron Nelson to regionals, NCAAs. But for Cootie to come out, get it done in a playoff, play an extra day, another extra day of golf, um, it, it, it was just pretty, pretty incredible to see him do that. But I guess that's what happens when you're you know, a young 20-something-year-old kid and I mean, heck, he's playing the Palmer Cup this week too, Burko. So he's going to go all of that that I just mentioned, Palmer Cup this weekend, and then right to Torrey Pines. I, I don't know how he does it, but uh, you know, I, I guess he has gotten a lot of bed rest recently. Yeah, you got to listen to the body when you can. Uh, Spencer Ralston from Georgia just wrapping up there. He got in uh, at the Atlanta venue I was at. So he's cool to – sort of see the emotions. And I'm looking at the list of, of players you've got. Matthias Schmidt from Louisville. I think he's an absolute star in the making. Yeah. Hits it a mile. Um, once he figures out the little nuances, uh, whether it's here, whether it's back home in Europe, uh, I think in three to five years, we might say, oh, yeah, we remember him or you threw his name out. Man, he's got so much game, and uh, he's only getting better every year. Yeah, we could have a Matthias European Ryder Cup pairing in six or eight years. Matthias Schwab from Vanderbilt and Matthias Schmid. I like it. I like that combo. So we'll uh, we'll have that covered next week. I'll go from South Carolina to Torrey, so we will keep running. And we apologize that it took a few days post NCAA, but. Uh, we do have wives. We do have lives. I've got kids. So <laughs> you make the time when you can. But uh, it's been a lot of fun as we uh, wrap up this spring. And, and you alluded to it. If something happens over the course of the next few months, we'll hop on and do an emergency pod. But if not, play a lot of golf. Everyone stay safe. Everyone have fun. And we'll 
kick it off again uh, in the fall. Any parting thoughts, words of wisdom for our uh, our loyal fans? No, but just we're going to go into hibernation for a little bit. Keep an eye on some amateur tournaments. Uh, I know we're both looking forward to the U.S. Amateur at Oakmont in August. And I mean, heck, it, it always seems like once the NCAA ends, you blink and the fall season's here. So it's not going to feel like that long. For, so for those of you who are sad about the pod going into hibernation for a little bit, uh, you know, don't be because it'll be back before you know it. Agreed, agreed. Everyone have a great summer. For Brentley, I'm Burko. We will see you guys next time on College Golf Talk.